0: Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, we are continuing our series. We have two more weeks in this. Next week, we will be dealing with the problem with social justice. So... Expect some controversy. We'll probably get kicked off Facebook and all that fun stuff uh, for that. Uh, And even today, because we're talking about the problem with catastrophe. Now this is a heavy subject, and I promise you there's questions that will maybe be answered and may create more questions, and I'll be the first to say I do not have a corner on all the whys behind of why things happen, but I do know who's over them all. And that gives me comfort. Jesus said this in John 8, 31 through 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If. Big If. If you hold to his teachings, and this if is, guys, we just sang a song about him holding on to us, but we are commanded to hold on to him. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to hold on to grip to, to not let go of what Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of all things, teaches us. Let me say that again. It is your responsibility to hold on, to grip to, to not let go what Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of all things, teaches us. Because if we don't do that, if we decide to, much like Worldview, I've got some Play-Doh here. I love Play-Doh. I love the smell of Play-Doh. <laughs> Come on, parents. You get, don't tell me you don't open that for the kids at first You know, take a hit off it yourself. (laughs) There's something about Play-Doh. And I I mean, I buy gifts for my kids when they were small, but primarily they're for me too. And now for the grandkids, I get to do the same thing. And I like forming things, so I'm going to make a little heart here. So, let's say this represents love, the love of God. And I have a particular view about the love of God in my head of how God, being loving, should act. And what happens in today is that they'll take the Bible and they'll take their view of the love of God and then they'll try to find something that meets that. But what the Bible does is pounds it Because it's your view coming here. And if you really take the Bible as the Word of God, Jesus, Son of God, who created all things, of what he says, it's gonna change. Now, I didn't use my normal Bible. I used one off my shelf that I was given. So please don't take offense at this. But see, what the Bible will do will change your view if you hold on to his teachings. His view of what the love is, is going to change what most likely your view of God's love is all about. If you hold to his teaching, that's what's going to happen. It's going to change your perspective. And it says that if you hold on to my teaching, then you will be set free, it says. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And obviously, the question you have to ask there is, free from what? fear, doubt, and worry. We all have fears. We all have doubts. We all have worries. God doesn't say, you will never doubt. You will never have worry. It says, choose not to. Choose not to fear. That's why the most commanded thing in the scriptures, do not fear. You will have doubts. I have doubts. But in the midst of the doubts, I take that to the word, his word, of what he says, and that dissipates. It frees me up from trying to figure out everything on my own and kind of, God, this is your, you've got this. In prayer, it says, in prayer, do not worry, do not be anxious, because God knows we are going to be. I mean, look around. Look at what's happening of course, we're going to be anxious. But he says, if you hold to my teachings, if you hold on, don't let go, then the truth will set you free if I do those things. And Jesus told us, when, you, when we look at catastrophes, he told us things were going to happen. Matthew chapter 24, starting verse 4, says, Jesus answered, watch out. That no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming i am the christ and will deceive many you will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you are not what alarmed okay don't miss the part you're gonna see wars and rumors of wars you're a part of this this picture and the natural tendency, if you're trusting in, you know, it's, it's all about this and all about this and no God, then you're going you're gonna to be alarmed. You're going to freak out. But he says, you guys don't freak out. Don't be alarmed. Don't be shocked. Don't be caught by surprise, not if these things happen, when these ha- things happen. Verse 6 says, such things must happen, but the end will still come. Nation will rise against nation. You plug in Russia against Ukraine or any other wars that are going on right now. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes. No baby food for mothers. (laughs) Guys, again, you have to place yourself because he's talking to us. Now, he's talking to the disciples back then who thought this could happen. And he's still talking to us that this could happen. I mean, how many preachers for the last 2,000 years have been, we're living in the last times? Well, I can say we're a lot closer than we were yesterday in the last times. And when you see things, when you see all these things happen, earthquakes in various places, all these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith. How could it be? And betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many because of the increase of wickedness. Man, you're talking wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, food shortages, persecution taking place. And when verse 12 says, because the increase of wickedness, guys, Last week, our own Senate voted and in one particular party, all but one voted that you could kill a baby up until the baby pops out of the womb. Guys, we're living in this place that you're just shaking. How how can it get any more wicked? I mean, they voted for it. This is our country. Guys, Wickedness! Don't be caught off guard. Don't go, how can this happen? Well, because Jesus said it would. And if the, it's going to get crazier, guys. I, it, we just went through a pandemic and, ah, and now some of you, the monkeypox is coming. <laughs> really? I mean, you've got to sit back and go, do they just make this stuff up? Because of the the other part. Because if you don't hold to my teachings, fear, doubt, and worry is going to be there. Jesus, don't freak out about In fact, he says in verse 13, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So I say church, I say to those watching online, stand firm, don't let go hold on. Jesus promised that these things would happen. And please hear me when I say this. It's not wrong or a sin to have questions. It becomes wrong when you don't diligently seek the answers and they are found in the Word of God. You're going to have questions. Do not let that stop you. Pursue it diligently. Don't give the devil the opportunity to stir and create. Go into the Word of God that tells me it has everything I need to live this life out. Not a book about God, but a book from God himself. I may not like the answers I find. But it's my job to be conformed by it, not it to conform to me. And that's 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 the danger today. We, that's that the whole thing of the, you know, the biblical worldview being just this society's worldview, secular worldview, is that I'm just going to beg, borrow, and steal from other things. Guys, we have to go to this. Now, understand, he just listed a lot of catastrophes that you will be going through. Verse 14 closes with this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as earthquakes and wars and famines and viruses and everything breaks out. God's going to use all that catastrophe, all that mayhem, where the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. Let me ask you this question. How many of you came to faith in Jesus or got closer to God through pain and suffering? If you haven't, it's coming. (laughs) I don't know who said this, but it's a great saying. Sometimes you only look up when you're on your back. C.S. Lewis probably said it, but I couldn't find it. But C.S. Lewis did say this. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I don't like that, though. I don't think any of us like that. I mean, Swindoll, I remember when he said something, I remember the first time I heard it, that God has to hurt you deeply before he uses you greatly. Can I be the exception to that? Seriously? But when you read the scriptures, you see something else. When we talk about the chief end of man, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of God is to bring glory to his name. And, guys, he will use anything and everything to do that, including catastrophe. Now, as we started this series, we asked this question, how can we best be faithful in our calling in a world where it will never be normal to be a Christian? We've talked about this worldview as a way of seeing reality, and we, we've try to draw a difference between a biblical worldview and a secular worldview, because they are different. And we talk about the danger zone that some of you are in, where you beg from one side of, I'll pull this, I like this from the Bible, I like this from the secular side, and we try to mold it into something that honestly makes God sick because we're not holding to the truth. And we've talked about God, we've talked about Jesus, talked about the Bible, talked about judging, we talked about the sexes, and now, catastrophe. Now, there's a great book out there, Joel Richardson, who was here uh, in April, The Mystery of Catastrophe. Excellent book for you to read. There have been great books on catastrophes and how God uses them. The definition of catastrophe is an event causing great and often sudden damage or suffering, a disaster. And what I hear many times from people uh, when I'm sharing my faith and talking to people who are far away from God, I will hear this. You say God of the Bible is all loving. He's good, wise, and powerful. But evil and catastrophe exist all over the world. Therefore, God is not all those things, because if he were, he would stop it. Therefore, there is no God. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, if God is loving and holy and wise and powerful, why does all this bad, catastrophic things happen? I mean, you can't help but see it on your iPhone or your news device, your TVs, your computers. When something bad happens to the world, we instantly hear about it. And whoever you're listening to will give their spin on it of what it is. So I want to first talk about the greatest catastrophe that has ever happened. And that is the fall of man, because that's where it all began. Go to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that whole chapter, it's just God creating, God creating, God creating this, God creating this. And then it finally gets to where God created man in his own image. And it, it says he created everything. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I think that includes spiders. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with its, and the seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that moved on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And uh, it was so, and God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. He creates the Garden of Eden. And in this Garden of Eden, he says one particular thing to man he says i've created all these trees all this food for you but there's one you can't touch and the lord god said in chapter 2 verse 16 god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will surely die plain and simple one tree don't touch you die. All the rest is yours. And we don't know how much time existed between that, but we know the result of that. And people will always say, well, why would God put the tree there in the first place? Why would he put temptation in their way? That's not very loving of God. And you've heard me say this before, but for love to be true love, there has to be a choice. Gwen chooses to love me. I have nothing on her to force her to love me. It's a choice she makes daily. Sometimes, do I, do I, (laughs) but it's her choice. And even if I had something on her to force her to love me would not be love. That would be coercion. For love to be true love, there has to be a choice. And that's why that tree was in the garden in the first place. And we don't know how much time exists, happened between that event where God told man, Eve knew about it too, when all of a sudden she was tempted and the choice was made. Genesis 3:6. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for the food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband. Who was their husband's? She didn't force it down his throat. Who was was with her? And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The result. The result of Adam and Eve eating that apple made a massive, worldwide impact of epic proportions. Never to be matched by any catastrophe that has happened since, because that caused all the other catastrophes to take place. God, God kicked. Adam and Eve out of the garden. They were cursed. They had a curse upon them. The world, it says, fell. Think of the most beautiful place you've ever seen in your life, and that's a fallen nature, because even nature, Roman says, is groaning in the process to be restored. And all the wars, and all the death, nature's destruction and tragedies in all history has come because of that one horrific act. And the thing I didn't think, haven't really thought of, I mean, i thought many times, Adam, why don't you keep your mouth shut? We could be walking around naked right now. Um, is the impact that that had on God. I don't know why I haven't considered that, that the fall permanently impacted God. Because now his creation needed redemption. And it was going to take the death and sacrifice of his son. All our actions have consequences. This wouldn't permanently impacted God in the process. And so when we think of evil, when we think of catanic catastrophe. Let me ask you this. Is catastrophe and evil just a random act or does God bring destruction and calamity? So you know, We want to say, well, you know, yeah, yes, no, no, yes, because we can't wrap our heads around that the God who's all loving and powerful and everything would actually use calamity and bring it in on us. We have this attitude of, which I thought about this morning, is I, I, I thought of build a bear. Now, I've never gone to build a bear. I know people have gone to build a bear, and it'd be a fun skit, but build a god, you know, instead of build a bear. And you go in the place and you like this, and you start building your God in pieces and dressing them up the way you want. That's today's world. They want their designer God that fits into them. They, you know, because God is loving and God is accepting of all and he's never going to punish anyway. So hell, let's throw hell out the door. And God wants you to live your best life now. Really? Again back to the, the Plato. We try to form him into what we think he is. But when we open this thing up and allow the Bible to do its work, it's going to create something different. And if you read the Bible, which I encourage you to dive into, you will find out from Genesis to Revelation how God has used catastrophe, that the book Mystery of Catastrophe spells out really well. Because you go to Genesis, then you got the flood. You got the Tower of Babel. You got Abraham. You got, you know, moving. You got Israel and Egypt and then the, the whole burden and the crossing of the Red Sea. You've got the great persecution of the church, not only when it began, but still today around the world. And eventually you get to Revelation where you got the coming judgment of the world. God does use catastrophe to get our attention. Let me ask you this. Does God promise to protect us from evil and suffering? Yes or no? Now, you first want to say, well, yes, because it says to pray, right? For protection from what? The evil one. As God never promises protection. It's not that he can't protect, but usually if you some see some building come tumbling down, it's not all of a sudden. Everyone died, but these 22 Christians that were in the building, they were all protected. And some of you know, firsthand experience, people that we know love Jesus with all their heart and all their mind. Catastrophe has come. I mean, This is back to, I have to wrap myself around what the God of the Bible says. Jesus promises, he doesn't promise protection. Matter of fact, he promises just the opposite of that. John John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have what? Trouble, 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 trouble. With me, you can have peace. With me, there is freedom. That you don't have to worry. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to fear. It, it, there's going to be scary times, but you don't have to live there. And I promise you, I'll peace inside when you realize God's got this. He's got control of this. But understand, because you're mine, you're going to have trouble. This is for John Trotter. The perfect paradox. There are a lot of notes, there are a lot of scripture in your notes to read, but Deuteronomy 32, 39 says this. See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. No one can deliver out of my hand. Hosea 6.1. Come. Let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he he will bind up our wounds. That's the perfect paradox. But notice it's, come, let us return to the Lord. God will use, God will use what's necessary to get the world's attention. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces but he'll heal us. He has injured us, but he'll bind up our wounds. Another way of putting in the New Testament is the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. At funerals, I'll use Psalm 23, and there's a, you know, many of us have seen a picture of a shepherd with a sheep, and some of you have seen pictures where a shepherd, shepherd has a, a lamb around his neck carrying it, and we always look at, oh, geez, the shepherd loves his sheep. Well, the only reason a shepherd would carry a sheep around his neck is that sheep has continued run, off, and that shepherd will literally break its leg and then heal it back together and carry it till it's healed, and then that lamb will never leave the shepherd's side. Guys, you have to understand, God uses both. He'll break us to heal us. I mean, so many images of scriptures, you know, of, of, that we will be broken, so let the word of God break us. Don't let the word of God fall on us and crush us. The Lord strikes, then he heals. He endures and then binds up the wounds of the inflicted. It's funny we see this in nature. I actually looked these up. I think I put the references in your notes. But the California redwood, the lodgepole pine, the eucalyptus tree, all these, and many others, actually need fire to reproduce. The cones of a of a redwood are only released under intense heat for the seeds to plant. Even in nature, God shows this. And the thing is, liberation theologians and a lot of evangelicals of late think that God needs to be rescued from the perception that he uses pain and suffering. God is sovereign. He's sovereign over everything that exists. And God doesn't need us to rescue him from bad press. God doesn't need us to rescue him from people's perception. when God is love and that's all there is. And no, God is so much more than that. He, and I, guys, I'll beat this drum till the day I die. You get the hold of this God is sovereign part, everything else falls into place a lot easier. This thing, that God is sovereign, means that he will do whatever he wants to fulfill his plan. And he has the power to do that. That is what he is sovereign. And we'll do whatever it takes to accomplish that. Psalm 115.3, our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. And we need to embrace that truth. I've I prayed that, God, if this pleases you, I ask you to do such and such. If this is to your pleasure. But God will do whatever brings him glory. God will ever do because he's God. He's he's got the keys. I don't. His world, not mine. And I have to let him do that. And when I allow him, that's how I gain wisdom. That's how I gain insight into why is it possible that these disasters and these wars are, and, and these immigrants are fleeing here and all this, is this possible that all this is created in order to be a loudspeaker so they can get a hold of God, who God is, but also gives us the opportunity to respond to it, to bring the gospel, because remember, in that Matthew 24 passage, all these scenes are happening, but the gospel still going to be preached around the world. That's that perfect paradox. Throughout the scripture, and there are many many in your in your notes, the whirlwind and the storm that God uses. Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind, the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Isaiah 29:6. The Lord Almighty will come with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with a windstorm and tempest and flames of a devouring fire. You can pinpoint all those around the earth today that are taking place. Isaiah 30:30. The Lord will cause men to hear his majestic, majestic voice and will make them see his arm coming down with a raging anger and consuming fire with cloudbursts, thunderstorm, and hail to get their attention. And I, even though I can't, God, why here and why this and why this, why this person have to die? I, I'm not going to be able to answer that question, but I have to be relying on the fact of who God is. God, you can do whatever, and for some reason, you're choosing these things to get people's attention. Maybe it's just mine. And God can use all those. How? I don't know what this is going to cause, when this happens here, what it's going to create over here. Or, d- what dynamic is happening in this place? But when I look back to things bad that have happened to me in the past, it's like a ha ha, then this happened and this wouldn't happen because if that didn't happen, then this wouldn't happen and then this wouldn't happen, then I wouldn't have met them and I wouldn't have seen this and I wouldn't design this. Because I rest in the fact, guys, God could do whatever He wants. God answers all my prayers. Sometimes the prayers just flat out no or wait but I, when I rest in that fact that he is sovereign he does what pleases him when I go to the scriptures and I realize that God is holy man's sinful period I mean give man enough time and he, he'll figure this all out and become no <laughs> it seems like it's getting worse and better God loves man, but man hates God. Plain and simple. John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify that what it does is evil. And because of that sin, it separates man from God. And God will do whatever it takes to bring reconciliation, even if catastrophe is part of his game plan. And you see that. Throughout scripture, guys. How God has caused this to happen and moved here and they become slaves but that become redemption and then you see the plagues and then you see this. Then you see the church and all the persecution but that spread out the church. All of a sudden the church expanded and grew. God uses all that. And I'm fine with that as long as it doesn't affect me. But because of sin, Romans eight thirty two says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? When God brings catastrophe, it's not because he is unjust and man is a victim. <laughs> Guys, we are all sinners deserving judgment, Every one of us. How many times have we said, if I knew what you thought this week, I wouldn't let you in the building. But if you knew what I thought, you wouldn't listen to me either. Yet by the grace of God. And how many of us found that grace through hardships? How many of us have grown up in our knowledge and understanding of God through catastrophe that has come upon my life, those whom I loved, those who are around me? I can't answer the why, why did this happen here, I I can't. All I can see later when I look back is the results of those things. It's not because we're victims, God's using his megaphone. And there'll be come a time when God will wrap this whole thing up. But as we went through the series on Revelation, guys, it's going to get a heck of a lot worse. Therefore, when these things happen, not if these things happen, don't be alarmed. God is sovereign. He has got hold of you. Don't let go of him. If you have questions, if you have doubts, seek out diligently those answers. Do not allow this world to dictate who God is. Allow his word to dictate who he is. Because there's going to come that time and it's going to become more difficult and those who you believe with all your heart would never turn on God will turn. That's a promise from God. All the more for you to hold on. See, it's one thing when you hear about that other person doing it. It's another thing when it's a family member who's all of a sudden chucked everything. And how easy it, I've seen it over and over and over again, that a family member just turns, and then they use their perspective to try to win and influence. And here are these people now leaning this way, because, you know, little Johnny or little Susie, or so. you know, you know we got to support, we got to be a part of, we got to do this, and so we change our views away from that. Again, we start to borrow secular worldviews rather than God's Word. Rather than loving and being tough and showing, guys, this is what the Word of God says. There's a cost involved. There will be a time when people will turn away. You hold on. You stand firm. God is sovereign over everything that exists. That has helped me, that truth, even though I don't know why sometimes, and I'm okay with that, tell heaven that I'll not get these things answered. But God, you're sovereign. You do what you please. Someday I'll understand it all, but maybe just not now. God is holy, and we are sinful. Some of us are better at, than others, but. We're a sinful lot, and the wickedness is only going to increase. And God loves man, but man hates God. The real God, not their build a God. And because of that, sin separates me from God, and it's only because of a relationship with Jesus Christ can I know salvation. Can I live not to live in fear, not to live in worry, not to live in doubt. And when those things come, I go dive in into the Word of God and find the truths about what He says about Himself, and then I choose to believe that, not what the world says about God. So therefore, stand firm. It's not wrong or sinful to ask questions. becomes that when we don't diligently seek the answers and let me encourage you if you don't you will find yourself being pulled farther and farther away from him the enemy is good at that i know many of you have gone through hardship some of you are going through it right now i know many of you have worries and concerns you go to the grocery market, grocery store and you just see, wow, what? how can a pack of hot dogs cost nine bucks? Gas. Yes. I can't even fill in my truck now because the card won't, li- it limits out. I remember when they did that last time when it was what, 260 or something a gallon and it limited it out and they had to kick up that end on the ATM of what you could take out. Now you got to walk inside, just say, fill her up, you know, and ting, ding, 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 ding. Uh, we don't even get that sound anymore. Remember that sound, old people? When you, when you heard the scents go by, I think it would drive people crazy now. It sounded like more like a jackpot on a, on <laughs> not that I ever know what that sound, I've never heard that person. God is sovereign. Guys, nothing surprises him. He's not in heaven going, oh, no, what are they going to do now? But he knows the power that what's happening around us can have on us. So, therefore, he says, my truth will set you free. Dive in the Word. See how he works. Read, Read through the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament hebrew scriptures i mean you just see god working and man screwing up again and god's still faithful because god does hold on to us but you have to hold on to him you have a part to play in that i charge it stand firm guys stand firm. father in heaven i thank you for your word i thank you for what it gives us What it gives me is security, knowing that you are in control. Even though I don't understand a lot of things that are happening and why. All the more for us to lean on each other for encouragement. All the more for us to dive into your word, to find encouragement. Because you do not want us to live in a state of fear. You do not want us to live in a state of worry and doubt. That we can have peace in the midst of turmoil. Help us to stand firm, help us to hold on, I pray in Jesus' name.